What's up, everybody? We are back. It is the hybrid life, but we have a little bit different format. This one is the baseball life. We are still going to be under the hybrid life podcast format, but this is going to be a separate show dedicated to baseball, weekly current events in baseball, and guests revolving around baseball. So it's... uh, Well, it's kind of like how Joe Rogan does his MMA show underneath the Joe Rogan Experience podcast. So it's going to be hopefully weekly, but we're going to base it around current events in baseball and have guests that are all related to baseball. It'll be good. I'm looking forward to it. I think you guys will like it. My first guest is one of my best friends and fortunately played for a long time in, in the big leagues. Uh, with a lot of teams. He goes into detail about his uh, background in baseball. He's currently the chief advanced scout for the uh, uh, LA Dodgers. And we talk about how he got involved in baseball, what his, uh, his path was to getting to the big leagues, and then kind of like what he's doing now and what his thoughts are on the current state of like travel ball and development and things like that. I love it. It was really great. I wanted him to be my first guest. We are going to do a part two, part three, part four. You'll hear in the beginning, uh, we got uh, pushed back a little bit because he had a phone call from a player who just threw in front of a couple teams and uh, he hadn't thrown in a really long time. You want to hear the entire uh, phone conversation between us three. Uh, you can go to the YouTube channel, The Hybrid Life, and watch the live podcast. Uh, but basically, this guy hasn't thrown in a very long time. Uh, it was two years out of baseball, threw for some scouts uh, a week prior, and was topping out 97, 98. So he was looking for some advice on what he needed to do to maybe get back into affiliated baseball. DJ helped him out. Uh, we talked a little bit about what his training could be, things like that. But, uh, you know, it, it was a good way to start off the podcast, um, seeing DJ in his element. And uh, we just go right into it. The audio quality isn't great. Uh, and that's because I still can't figure out the two mics set up on my stupid uh, Adobe Audition program. I will get that fixed. I am an audio snob, so it's driving me crazy. But anyway, I, I will get it all fixed. It'll be great. And uh, I really thank you for listening. So without further ado, here we go with The Baseball Life. Let's go. Do his deal. 97's 97, dude. I don't give a shit. <laughs> well, that was a good way to start this off. Yeah, dude. We're... What? <laughs> we got about 15 minutes. No. Yeah, they're already I'll there. 15 minutes. Huh? Let the kids play video. <laughs> All right, so we're starting this. This is our first um, podcast for the baseball life. I am Kevin Bay, your host. To my left is DJ Carrasco, former big leaguer, current uh, advanced scout with the Los Angeles Dodgers. 
Uh, I could go through his background. I'm gonna. You've heard a little bit about him already through me, but um, I'm gonna let him talk about what his past has been when it comes to baseball. He's from Arizona too, by the way. Yeah. Uh, Born in Arizona, grew up in California, the Northern Bay Area. Uh, baseball through high school and college were not nearly the same kind of uh, a roadmap, I would say, as it is nowadays with select ball and uh, the amount of baseball being played and the amount of people that are available, the information that's available, whether it's good or bad, and whether it's it's a money-making thing or an actual, like, we care if you're doing good or not. I mean, those are just two different separate times. So um, throughout uh, my college career, I played a year in junior college in California and one in Arizona here locally at Pima College in Tucson. Um, and then that turned into my pro career. It was a, a long road and I don't know how much time we got here for this, but I always wanted to be a hitter, right? I asked for my oh, release. Yeah. Asked for my release as a hitter. Guys thought I was crazy. Um, ended asked up... asked for your release at, unless you were a hitter, correct? Yeah, unless they would let me right. become a hitter. Like I, I don't want to come back to pitch, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I was kind of told with that... Pittsburgh? This was with uh, Cleveland Indians oh, at the okay. time. So, yeah, I'll probably jump around in time, yeah, time frames or whatever, but uh, when I originally signed, I thought it was under the in understanding that I'll go in as a hitter, and if it didn't work out, then I agreed to pitch. And when I first showed up... I first was off. first. It, it was okay. instructs, right? I yeah. signed so late that uh, they didn't Free know. Agent? No, this was just. I was a draft to follow. Oh. Back then, you can do that. Oh, that's right. Um, and it just, it was just heartbreaking, right? I felt like I was lied to, and well, I have you on the pitchers list here, not on the hitters list. So get your ass over there. And I'm like, what are you talking about? My scout said I'm a hitter. Well, who's your scout? And not knowing any different, right? these departments and professional baseball these are organizations like these are big corporations yeah. almost that run they don't know who that guy was yeah. they had no affiliation with my scout as an amateur guy and and uh, it was an eye-opening experience man you, you, you're, you're thrown in with a ton of Latin cultures a ton of college guys the high school guys to to studs right when you were the stud you don't even hold a lot you can't even play you know you're off the bench on this team because these guys are so good and one of my first experiences in those games was there was a, a pitch who was just coming back from an injury and I think the previous year he was in the Arizona Fall League which is like the cream of the crop of the minor leaguers and he was like a triple crown winner right all wins ERA and strikeouts he led the league in the league or Fall League in the Fall Fall League the year before yeah and uh, and we're in Disneyland Orlando, Florida Disney World I'm sorry and the Braves teams out there, and, they, and these are like, you know, these are like men-child, man. These guys, I didn't face that stuff in junior college. You know, once in a while, there'd be a guy on another team that was kind of intimidating. But, And I'm watching him throw a bullpen. He's like 93, 94, putting the ball everywhere he wants, spinning it, snapping it off. I'm like, Jesus, this is what a big leaguer looks like in the making, right? And uh, and he goes out there and gets lit up. <laughs> and I'm like two pitchers away, right? You're going to throw after this guy. And I'm, and I'm just thinking, man, I still got like so many, I don't know what it was at the time. I was like, 45 days left until I until I like give up my amateur status because you can go back if you don't if you're oh. not pro for so long and really? yeah you, you, yeah at that time I don't know if it's oh. still that way but there's a window there in case you made a mistake yeah. or whatever um, and I went out there and got lit up and I'm like I'm I'm never gonna get there like this I'm so far away from what I need to be I don't know where the ball's going it just it just goes pretty hard and it moves it? everywhere. I, I can't remember the guy's name. I want to say the last name was Lyons. If I, I don't Nobody know if that's right or not. I, mean that. I don't think he ended up being a big leaguer. I don't think so because I don't remember him mm-hmm. after that. But, yeah, it was, it was eye-opening, man. And then that just turned into 
a couple fiascos in the minor league where I got released from the Orioles that same spring training. Never played an affiliated like the Orioles. It was this with the Orioles. Oh. Never played in a in a, a real game where they kept stats and pub, you know published it, which turned into. Uh, Calling my uncle, he had a buddy in Bo Allred who used to play with the Indians, and his buddy was Shapiro, who was the the minor league coordinator at the time, and they sent a scout out to watch me throw a bullpen, and I popped 92 on that, enough to sign me, and off I was to Watertown, New York, upstate New York, and uh, all the meanwhile, I still want to hit, and I'm watching these guys swinging stuff in the dirt and over their head, no no idea how to hit with wooden bats, and I hadn't done it. It was very frustrating. You can do it. Yeah, well, I knew I could. All these collegiate scouting teams and all-star games I had the credentials to do so but I just had a good arm they projected me as a pitcher not a hitter I didn't understand all that stuff then like you know now that I'm scouting and been around the game long enough it makes a lot of sense but then you just don't you're naive to it so at the end because you were probably just one of a 50 other guys that could do that yeah well yeah at the time everybody played both ways it wasn't so specific it wasn't the select ball that they're just kind of dedicating one kind of pathway um and towards the end of that season I just got fed up with it the Indians wouldn't let me change arm slots I used to be real loosey-goosey from a low three-quarter and it kind of changed up sidearm at times and they wouldn't let me do it they wanted me as a downhill plane pound the ball and I'm topping out like an 84 85 when in high school I was 89 and I just threw a bullpen at 92 and they wouldn't let me be me right and threw a lot of strikes but I got crushed and I, you know, I'm throwing knuckleballs in the outfield because the only way in my opinion to be a big leader was as a right-hander throwing 84 is a knuckleballer mm-hmm. so literally I was trying to master a knuckleball in this organization while I'm crying at night watching I guys seen you throw one. can you throw one not consistently, no. But it's decent. Once yeah, well, it, it's a weird deal. Like for some reason, you gotta like change the arm path. It's gotta be a push like path. A push, yeah. It's not the normal get yeah. out there and let it whip how my arm works. So after about fifteen or twenty like warm ups with it, I can actually get huh. it to dance pretty good consistently. Yeah. Um, so that that turned into me asking the Indians to come back next year as a hitter. Not as a pitcher. I want to finish out this the year. This is your first year? My very first year in pro ball. Um, and the guy kind of laughed at me. He's like, you know how many kids want to be in your shoes right now? Are you serious? I'm like, yeah. I used to. And I was just rattling off stats, right, as a as a amateur. Well, 21? This was 20 years old probably. Yeah. 20, yeah, I think I was 20. And, of course, it's laughable, right? I don't get it. Like, this guy's been in pro ball managing it's for 30 laughable, years. but it's not unbelievable. No, it's not, especially now when you see guys like the Otanis coming up. Not that yeah. I was an Otani, but there's guys that can do it, right? Um, and I asked him to ask him if I can come back. If not, I want to go home. And I'm like, are you serious? Is that what? I'm like, yeah, I don't want to come back and pitch here. Like, I, I'd rather take my chances in independent ball. or so. I believe in myself enough to, like, I can hit I always dreamed about being a big leaguer, but it was a hitter. It was never a pitcher. Like, all right, well, I'll find out. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll ask him. And he came back the next morning and said, hey, uh, we really want to sign you back. We don't want you to go anywhere, but it is as a pitcher. We're stacked in hitting. And I said, all right, well, you can just give me my ticket. And he, didn't, he thought I was bluffing or something. And, you know, that, that night they had me a ticket ready to go the next morning. <laughs> I watched the game from the stands, and I was gone. That turned into a whole um, – off season of hitting again, getting back in the way of hitting and hitting and hitting. I uh, was working out at, at an Arizona community college in Thatcher, Arizona, Eastern Community College. And, you know, a couple months there, there was an op- open workout at the White Sox facility in Tucson. A couple of the junior college guys were going to go down there, and I decided to do the same. And meanwhile, I'm marketing myself. I'm I'm getting online. I'm looking at the baseball, you know, directory, finding out who's who and what's what, sending out snail mail, sending out emails and everything, right? And I finally convinced an independent 
minute ball guy to come out and watch me play, and he I had great college numbers. Yeah, I'll, I'll look at you. Mark Kotze was a big deal at the time, and he you know he'd play outfield, come in and close the game. I'm like, this is what I can be for you, right? Mm-hmm. So we do the White Sox workout. I make all the final cuts, and you know they look into me. The guy offers me the contract on the spot for an independent ball outfielder, and and I'm like, sure, man. And while we're talking there, one of the coaches comes over and says, Hey, DJ, uh, did you play last year with the Indians? I'm like, Yeah. And he's like, uh, But you're a pitcher. Here you're. Hitting. I'm like, Yeah, I want to hit, and this and that. And he's like, Oh, okay. Uh, you want to throw a bullpen? And I'm like, sure, I'll, I'll throw a pen because the independent ball guy's here. I'll show him. And I yeah. told him, I'm like, I'll throw a pen, but again, I'll, I'll only go if it's as a, like a closer. I'm not going to be a pitcher only. So I go throw a bullpen. There's probably about 50 guys there. They kind of made their elimination rounds when I wasn't there doing the outfield stuff. And and they offered me a minor league contract on the spot to pitch. And all the kids for the White are Sox? for the White Sox. And the kids are gaga goo goo over it. And I'm like, I would have stayed with the Indians if I wanted to pitch. I want to hit. Like, I got a contract to hit right now. Mm-hmm. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it, man. But I'm going to go try my that ne- try it. That never happens. 100%. No, I'm happens. saying that happened. That never happens. Nobody yeah, would no. do that. So now I'm the nuts to do that. My sec- Well, I was betting on myself. Not man. to mention every guy there is begging to get a contract. So right. they take it if it was to, you know, sweep up fucking... <laughs> Peanuts after yeah. the game, right. So that turns into I signed with this team called the Johnstown, Johnstown Johnnies. Spring training for them was in another two months. They start a lot later than, you know, the teams yeah. do, the big league team. And I get a call two weeks later from a pirate scout. And he says, hey, DJ, this is so-and-so. And uh, I got no some... Brick. No. <laughs> That's funny you say that. There's another story about that. Uh, it's, uh, so he says, I got some good news and bad news for you. I said, well, hell, give me the good news, right? It's got to be good news. He's like, I'm with the Pirates, and we're going to purchase your contract, and you're going to be part of affiliated baseball again. you got a chance to make it to the big leagues. You're going to be wearing a professional jersey on your back, right? I said, well, then there can't be any bad news out of that. Well, what's the bad news? He's like, you're going to be a pitcher. We know we've done our background on you. We know you want to hit. You like to hit, and you're always talking about hitting ball but you're not going to get a chance to hit we're going to bring you in as a pitcher and i said well what if i don't want to pitch i would have stayed with the two other options i had he's like well technically we can suspend your rights for five years i'm like you're going to suspend me dude he's like i'm not saying we will but we can so just just go through it man if it works out great if it doesn't we're going to send you right back you can go hit you still got two months before spring training i'm like you got a point so the johnstown johnny's basically signed you and then made money they got paid okay to give you their great great leading question so this is one of the one of the great stories i like to tell especially to like to kids it's kind of motivational so traditionally and i don't know if it's still the same but during those days when an affiliated team bought a, an independent ball player's contract the player got 25 percent of the purchase price oh. the team got the rest yeah. right and it used to always be for a thousand dollars unless this guy was a super stud and there's multiple teams for bidding but it's, it was it's a thousand bucks a lot i mean i don't really know the the financials of indie teams but i would think that a thousand I wouldn't think it's much. I mean, it was just standard, right? It's kind of like a minimum wage or something. But in my case, because I'm all this hitter guy and and I'm topsy-turvy, I don't know if it's going to work out with me. They said, just for contractual purposes, we're going to put a dollar down on the contract. 
And I'm like, so personally, I'm like, quarter. well, I'm thinking this is all they think that I'm worth is a dollar, right? That's kind of like a punch in the gut. And okay, well, whatever. I can't control what they're going to yeah. give me or not give me. You couldn't not say, you couldn't say no. They bought my rights. Baseball. I couldn't say yes or no, or I wouldn't play pro. I can go play in city leagues or yeah. whatever. Um, so that turned into me showing up in the Pittsburgh Pirates with Ken Griffey high tops and an outfielder's glove, no pitching toe. And, uh, I ripped that thing in the second second outing, right? And things just started coming together. The ball was moving really good out of my hands. Long story short, I was dealing, man, and I made a team. Josh Bonifay was uh, my, my teammate of mine, and his dad, Cam Bonifay, was the GM of mine at the time. And I would wear Josh out like, hey, tell your dad he owes me 25 cents, man. Like, uh, this is as a funny yeah, yeah. talking piece. But, like, literally, deep down, I was serious. Like, I wanted the check for 25 cents to show. Because what if I ever make it to the big yeah. league, man? Like, how cool would that be, right? Yeah. Never got it, of course. Uh, played there for four or five years in the minor leagues. Got Rule 5 to the big leagues with the Royals. Played three years with the Royals. Uh, after the third year there, I went to Japan for a year. Came back, played a year in AAA after I was told I made the big league team the day before we left. And, oh, by the way, sorry, uh, we claimed somebody before midnight tonight. So I didn't make the big league team after they just told me six hours previously. So what, six to eight hours previously. That was crushing. I had the worst year of my career that year in Tucson. Probably had like a 90 yard Because you were men- mentally. No, the mental part happened a little bit, but 100%, I believe it now. I, I, I kept telling myself then to like trick myself into believing it too. Like I'm a late movement in the zone guy, right? I make the ball move. I don't have big power stuff. And and I had three catchers playing on the infield. In Tucson, the ball flies. It doesn't move late. Once it gets hot, man, everything straightens out. And I just could not get people to miss the ball. I just got shellacked, right? And I and I was thinking, maybe I lost it. And, you know, that self-doubt started setting in. And it was always like you didn't because when because I go on the road. and then down? Yeah. Well, I was in the big leagues three yeah. years in Japan. Then now I'm in AAA. Yeah. And I got a 9 ERA, right? Yeah. <laughs> And uh, I said, you know what? I'm just going to go play winter ball one year. And uh, I went to Venezuela, and now I got athletes that are infielders playing infield. I got grass that's actually growing. The ball has some humidity in the air, and I go like 4-0 and with like a 1 ERA and whatever, two or three wins in Venezuela. Like, I didn't lose it. Right? I'm breaking bats again. I'm doing the things For that I always did. people that don't know, what's the competition level, you think, in winter ball? So Venezuela, it gets – all the winter balls get a lot better the second half. I went to the first half. So double A, triple A levels, I would say, on the games because like, I was starting and I'm facing mm-hmm. a decent lineup. I'm not facing the best lineup. But I didn't care about the lineup. I cared about what my ball was doing mm-hmm. when I threw it. And the results and the location and the late movement were, were back. Those guys recommended me to the White Sox, who Buddy Bell was the minor league coordinator at the time, who was my manager in Kansas City. So they signed oh, me. Cool. Good guy. You know, we can build, bring him in for depth. Had a great spring training, ended up making the team, um, played in Chicago for two years. Sorry. After, yeah, after, <laughs> not for the Cubs, right? <laughs> uh, after that, I signed a deal with uh, the Pirates again. So here kind of leads in the first story I told you. And the Pirates was a new GM now. And it was a deal worked out between my agent and him. And he calls me after the deal's done and says, hey, uh, glad to have you on the team. And, you know, just kind of introducing himself. And I said, hey, uh, Neil, I have two requests. And he's like, two requests? Okay, what do you got? And I said, "Uh, I want a signing bonus. And he's like, whoa, 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 dude, I just got off the phone with your agent. The deal's done. He didn't mention anything of a signing bonus. And I said, well, you got to hear the story out. So the one I told. Keep going. Don't don't talk about it yet. I don't know why this is 
dude, it's already 5.30 up in this pit. Go ahead. So, so the story that I told you was a little bit more detailed that I was telling him. And I said, before you were a GM here, whatever it was, eight years ago, nine years ago, I signed a contract for a dollar. You guys bought my contract for a dollar. I said, somewhere in your, your, your records, your microfiche, whatever you got back in there, there's a contract that shows a dollar for me. I said, my other request is I want a copy of that contract, if not the original, and I want my signing bonus to be 25 cents, and I want an unofficial pirate check, and I want all, I, it needs to be a real deal, because that's what you guys owe me. And he's laughing and laughing. I'm like, I'm dead serious right now. Yeah. Like, that meant a lot to me. That was a motivational thing for for me in the minor leagues a lot of those years so um, at home I have framed you 25 side check to? and the copy of my Dude, contract I've known you for about 6 years you never know that I've never heard that story you never that's heard that awesome. story no. yeah yeah that's it, freaking awesome dude. it's uh, but, and this is my point like one of the reasons like I wanted to have you on well one because you're my boy but two because everyone sees big leaguers and they think it's a big league lifestyle it's Mike Trout it's whoever Javi Baez but 99.9% of professional baseball players deal with bullshit that nobody can understand. And what do you have, 30 days off in a season total? Mm, 40 days? You got less? 15. Total. Maybe 20 now. Yeah. Maybe 20 now. And... But of those, you might like literally four to five are days off. The other ones are days you're traveling yeah, on an traveling. off day. So yeah. you don't, you're not That's off. why they give you it, because it's a long travel yeah. time. Yeah. So to there's the difference between everyone in the big leagues obviously is is good, but there are guys in the minors that talent wise are better than guys in the big leagues. They just can't do it all the time, consistently. Like hundred percent yeah, agree. There's guys that can you know they'll go on a ten game stretch where they're hitting five hundred and have eight home runs, but then the they don't show up for. Yeah, months. I mean, there, there's several reasons, but the bottom line, like you said, is consistency, consistency. right? Like, yeah, I've seen guys, like you're saying, they out-tool other guys. And the other thing is they can't do it when there's people in the stands. Like, you can do it in Tampa, yeah. yeah. Can you do it in New York? Like, some guys just right, crumble. Right. And, and it's unfortunate because how do you mimic that in the minor leagues when nobody goes no. to those games? I mean, there's some parks that draw a little bit, 10,000 or, you know, whatever, but... It's not the same. Yeah. So that's uh, you could you could have a Mike Trout in the minor leagues, and and if he can't do it in the lights, he'll never be a Mike Trout. Like it doesn't bother him. No. But there could be a guy who's the same tool set. He's calm all. The what time. I mean, whatever that zone is for him to perform, Therapy, he finds it. Whatever. He finds yeah. it right. And, and training, all that stuff doesn't like. Guys clearly are throwing harder now than they ever have before. But my point is, like we deal with kids here all the time, and they only play baseball. And they don't do anything else. And when we were playing, you played probably baseball only from April till mm -hmm. July or August. Mm -hmm. And then you didn't play again until April. And the player, the caliber of player is not any different really then than it is now. There's more good players or more tooled players, I think, maybe now. But you need to be an athlete first and a baseball player second in my opinion, because this repetitive movements, kids are getting burnt out now. I mean, I have a kid, I knew a kid that was the number one high school player in the country, signed as a junior to play at LSU, and quit after his freshman year, and went to Arizona University and golf, played, made the golf team. So he's clearly a good athlete. Right. He made a college division one golf team, did not want to play baseball anymore, and just quit baseball cold, because you play, 
And this was in Chicago. It's worse here in Arizona. But I, I think that p- people and 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 parents and players aren't concentrating on development, and they're just concentrating on playing. There's there's a lot of truth to that. You know, I, I look around, and I'm not going to say that we were better then than they are now because yeah. these guys are like they're, they're so much more information and in, in like whether it's health or style of working out or sleep pattern, whatever it is, they have more information available than we did, and they're better physically handled on the whole. Right? Not just yeah. yeah, not, but it's it's almost like a showcase sport at this amateur level. Baseball. Yeah, ba- baseball. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's a it's a showcase till you get to professional baseball and then a lot of that is like the game experience is it's small. Like I I look at some of these guys the the ability of like having to learn the hard way and take bumps and bruises and and like figure it out on your own sometimes or have somebody help you figure it out. I don't see a lot of that as much as back when we played, right? Is it more of a because they're it's a numbers game? I, I, I think so, yeah. I mean, a lot of teams now go, they're heavily numbers, right? Um, just to acquire a guy. Like, you'll go to a tryout, and I need to see velocity. I need to see spin efficiency with, with vertical break and stuff like this. I don't even know how the guy competes yeah, yet, right? right? I don't care how he competes. Um, and there's some, you know, that works in certain circles, in certain circles. I think there's a blend of everything, mm-hmm. though. Um, but... I agree with you, man. Multi-sport kids at a certain age, yeah. I mean, if you're an elite athlete, you can start a lot later on a one-sport-specific kind of. This is, like I said, the roadmap going down. But you either get burnt out, you see a ton of injuries, overuse, under-training. Like, these guys aren't ready. These guys aren't ready for what's being implemented to them at a young age and the workload that's being implemented. It's crazy for me to try and talk parents into their kids taking – off season off to develop and train and get better as opposed to they just want to keep playing yeah playing and playing and playing yeah three teams in the off season it's the flipping off season yeah how about they go on vacation how about they do other things to keep them get them away from baseball you could still train you could still take cuts and do this and that but I think in the weight room, or if you get on a good strength and conditioning program, you can get 40% better in an off-season. If you play every day, you're just going to be a little better of a player than you were than when the off-season started. Yeah. Because keep playing, it's like doing something bad over and over again well it, if you're not if you don't have the tools you gotta you gotta at some point right try and make those tools and, and i don't i can't really look in the big leagues right now and see a position player that's soft or doesn't bust bust his butt in the weight room yeah. and take serious like the base building of my body before i go out there and let me swing 500 times a day or let me throw that many balls pitchers are are now starting to do the same there's some bodies you look at they're like oh, i don't know about this guy but underneath like their core is strong yeah their legs are strong yeah still strong yeah so there's some stuff that you know pitchers might get away with to the eye that the players don't but well i it, might be wrong on the stat but i read last year i think that um starting pitchers there was um only two guys that weighed under 200 pounds that average velocity was 95 and those two guys were Chris Sale, who's a freak, mm-hmm. and Strowman, who's a miniature guy. If mm-hmm. he was 200 pounds, he would be probably pretty chubby. But those are the only two guys in the entire big leagues who averaged over 95 velocity and 
were under 200 pounds. Yeah, I, I think there's truth to... Mass equals gas, basically. To, well, yeah, there's yeah. some truth to that, too. But, like, also, as a scout, am I going to draft a five foot ten guy throwing 92? Like, yeah, some teams might do that. Some teams won't even look at that. So the critical mass is also six footers and taller right. too. So there's like a little I don't skew. Think Kyle Hendricks would get drafted right now. Probably not. Like that's it's unfortunate to yeah. think that, right? I mean, if you're an organization that really believes in a command tool, and maybe he, I mean, in high school, did he do what he can do with the ball now? I don't know. Yeah. Maybe not. I mean, right. if he didn't do what he can do now, then yeah. then he's not gonna. I mean, he's tops out at 87. Right. I mean, I'm sure he can get it up there if he wants to, but. It's under hitting speed. It's like the Jamie Moyer deal yeah. right back in the day. But yeah, there's there's some truth to like you need to build a base and and, and like now that I'm retired, right, I, I I feel somewhat fortunate that I kinda got out of the game with not like too many bad injuries like a football player or, you know, body just killing me. But a one sided dominant sport as much as unless you're a switch hitter, you kinda get a little bit yeah. of balance going on. No. Like who does that now? Right, but I mean speaking to like the the value of training to a one side dominant sport my back was the reason i well my ankle and my back were kind of the reasons why my career just ended as it did because i was just one side dominant i didn't know how to train the other side to take that workload and 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 maybe if i did i could have played another three or four years you know who knows so because you definitely could i mean honestly there's argument that you could still do it now you just couldn't do it the level of on what a it, daily yeah. basis yeah yeah you would need seven days off eight days yeah off. i feel that way <laughs> yeah but go out if you could go out you could go out there right now and get guys out i'm yeah. assuming i've seen you throw i mean you're still and you don't work out to play base right that that's another point is the training part of it will allow guys to have longer careers for sure and they're yeah. not they don't kids aren't seeing that you know they're right. not doing little things that you need to do. For instance, I had Sean Casimir in here in the offseason, and the guy would take, before we did anything, 50 ground balls that he would throw against the wall, 25 backhand, 25 um, regular, 25 on his knees, 25 short hops. Before we did any training, I don't know one 17-year-old that would do that right now. It's yeah. all grip it and rip it. Right. And I see it in the pitching world, right? Like, again, the tools are great. The velocity is great. But pitchability is, is – I can't. I don't see guys that throw hard command the ball. I, I rarely see guys that don't throw hard command the ball. Well, the running guns have zero – that's what they practice. Yeah, yeah. And they don't – the ball's up 10 feet high. It's in the dirt. I mean, they, they all have their purpose, right? Yeah. They're whatever the, the – if you're talking about was it like maximum run, pro yeah. hop throw, when that, they're working on a velocity right. tool there, right? But that's their main purpose instead of being able to locate velocity. Right, so the blend of the two is what yeah. needs to happen. Yeah. And when, when that part is figured out, then there's going to be – some like you know you talk about like hitters catching up with pitchers and pitchers are ahead of hitters and vice versa that's going to be tough you to be able to locate north you know northeast south and west uh fastball in all those quadrants like as a whole of the game gosh dang it that's going to be hard to hit man i, I it's why baseball is the hardest sport yeah. i think hitting a round ball I mean, with a bat yeah and the better these pitchers get i mean it's like it's just, it's insane. Like mm-hmm. watching some of these guys, 95, 97, 98 with movement. And I mean, 92 was with movement. <laughs> Back in the day, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, like, as far as scouting goes, there's a big change in that. I mean, I know you got to get going, probably. We should probably cut it after this. Okay, we'll yeah, this, okay, yeah. But um, we'll just do a part two. But um, 
there's been changes in the way people like old school scouts are almost a thing mm-hmm. of the past mm-hmm. now. So how has like because that's your arena now? What is the difference with how you see the development of scouting coming along? Well, I'm fortunate to be with the Dodgers who still value what what the ice can bring to the the total equation, um, but. You know, a lot of performance base is is very quantifiable. You know, it's it's what's already happened though. It's not what's happening to make those numbers. So when you talk about makeup stuff like that, intent, like just because the ball lands somewhere, did he mean to do that? Right? What it, what does the body look like? Is it gonna break? Like, am I gonna give this guy five year deal when you know there's this forearm flyout going on? He's an elbow lead or whatever it is. There's still some valuable information that can be had now some teams just don't believe it's dollar cost efficient for that little piece of the pie right the Dodgers still believe that it is so um, for me the like to be able to see a competitor how the guy reacts to adversity how does he hold a running game do the teammates like him I mean there's a lot of you talk about team chemistry I mean there's so many facets of what the eyes and the person can get you the information that you might need to get so again there is some value to it and we're considered, you know, you talk about tier one teams, right? Teams are trying to win playoffs, mm-hmm. good playoffs and win championships. They value that stuff. Um, some don't. Houston doesn't do that, right? Mm-hmm. Houston doesn't care for that. They think that it's plenty fine to just do the numbers and they're entitled to do so, you know, so. And that's basic. I mean, only baseball can do. I mean, basketball tries to whatever because the number of plays, but because of the large numbers play out because of the large sample size of it and the controllables to an extent are a lot easier so you're a right-handed pitcher that faces a lefty or righty bat like in basketball you can match up with five other guys that can change it up like yeah. those are hard things to yeah. control right here you can control the ability to match yeah, I mean, there's more i would love to get into what you think about the shift and rule changes being implemented i don't personally don't think a lefty will ever come close to really a power hitting lefty will never hit 300 pretty much again with the shift it's just going to be impossible i mean it depends on like when you say power hitting but if the pressure is if the game changes to where and it won't but like if they push the fences back to 500 oh, feet yeah. right yeah now i gotta hit for average like it just, just depends what's sexy at the time what are guys getting paid for they're not getting yeah. paid for average they're getting right. paid for slugging ops iso yes. those are what they're getting paid for so yeah i, I would I would agree with you, right? There's guys that are just going to slap the ball the other way and bun it. They'll yeah. open up some hits for themselves, but are they going to hit 300? And it's tough to do, man. Too, right. Man. So, yeah, there's there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah. I mean, God dang, there's so much. There's so, there's so much good Let combo. me know. Let me tell you guys. We had major, major technical difficulties. <laughs> we had an hour's worth thing there. Thing, and I couldn't figure it out, but we finally got it figured out. I've been wanting to do this for a really long time. Thank you for doing it right now. Well, we are definitely going to do a part two. Um, this is more for the podcast and the video, but I just shoot stuff for content. But um, this guy doesn't really live on social media. He doesn't really do anything on social no. media. So there's nowhere you could find him. If you want to ask him questions, send them to me, and I'll touch upon it next time uh, we have him on. Um, again, thanks, brother. I thanks, love man. You. Love you too, man. It. Thanks for having thanks, me. Uh, check us out at Hybrid Fit Club on Instagram, uh, The Hybrid Life on YouTube, and on all of our social medias. We will be back next time. Till then, see ya! Thank you. Yeah.
Yeah, but we can go so far and do. We need to. Dude, I could have talked for three hours. But. Yeah, we we're gonna have.